This is a Federal News Network podcast. Last month, the Defense Department said it would mandate COVID vaccinations for all service members. Now the military branches are out with their implementation plans. The Army is the latest to roll out a strategy. Federal News Network Scott Massioni joins me with the details. And Scott, let's talk about the Army. What does the mandate do? And then we'll get into the Army's particular plans. Well, I think the most important thing to note is that all active duty soldiers will have to complete both shots of the the COVID-19 vaccine by the middle of December. And that's only active duty when it comes to the Army Reserve and Army National Guard. Those units must be vaccinated by the end of next June. Now, in total, that brings about uh, more than a million soldiers to to get this shot. And, uh, you know, under the policy, even those who have had COVID in the past must still get their shots. Now, one thing it's important to remember is that if you get your uh, COVID-19 shot from the Defense Department, you're going to be getting the Pfizer shot, which means you're going to be getting two shots and not just one. You're required to get both of those shots by the end of this or by the start of this period, which is uh, December 15th. And will the army itself be administering these shots? So the the soldiers can go through their regular Tricare, uh, you know, or military treatment facilities to get this. Now, if you go to these facilities that are administered by the Defense Department, you're only going to be getting the Pfizer shot because that's the only one that has been uh, approved by the FDA for full use. The others are still under the emergency use use authorization. But if you go out into the private sector and get your shot, you're still okay and considered vaccinated if you have the Moderna shot, Johnson and Johnson and, and, you know, anything else. So they could do it while on leave, for example, they could go to the CVS or something and get the shots. Exactly. And what about the exemptions? I mean, there are religious exemptions, I imagine, springing up from within the ranks of the army. What's going on with that side of things? That's right. So there are exemptions, and those exemptions are through, like, as you said, there's medical, and then there are administrative and religious exemptions. Uh, The army is saying that if you have those pending after this deadline passes, then you will not be reprimanded for, uh, you know, not getting your shot. So, you know, if they, for some reason, didn't get this uh, decision uh, finished by the time that happened, you won't get in any sort of trouble. Um, You know, these exemptions are few and far between. You have to really have an actual reason for this and not just, I'm afraid of needles or something like that. So um, if you're afraid of needles, what the heck did you join the army for? Because a bullet (laughs) is a lot worse than a a needle. Exactly. So, uh, you know, there are those exemptions, but, uh, you know, they they are, as we said, hard to to come by and uh, not many people will be receiving them. All right. And so therefore, if you don't get the shot yourself and don't have an exemption, at some point, an axe will fall. Exactly. And that's when the real trouble comes in the Army's press release, which came out on Tuesday. They said that the reprimands for not getting this vaccine can be career ending. So they are taking this very seriously. Soldiers who refuse the vaccine will first be counseled by their chain of command and medical providers. Then continued failure to comply could result in administrative or non-judicial punishment. That includes relief of duties or discharge from the military. Uh, Soldiers who um, who are in leadership positions may be relieved from their their duty and then soldiers who are waiting in line to uh, you know take a command over especially one that they had been uh, uh, trying to get command of or you know had had applied for they will be taken off that waiting list and relieved of that as well so some very serious uh, repercussions if you do not get this shot 
We're speaking with Federal News Network Scott Massioni. And what about the Navy? I'm curious about that one because the Navy had the most visible case of where COVID can really harm operations on the USS Theodore Roosevelt and careers for that matter. That's right. And and what's really interesting about the Navy is that the Navy uh, itself is, is the most vaccinated part of the armed forces, while the Marine Corps is the least vaccinated part. So it's a, quite an interesting dynamic that they have within there. The Navy's the only service that has not come out with this implementation plan. At this point, we have seen that the Air Force and the Space Force have come out with theirs. They're working on a much shorter timeline. You have to remember they also have a much smaller population than the Army. Their timeline is all airmen and guardians in the active duty uh, Air Force and Space Force have to be vaccinated fully by November 2nd. Air National Guard and Reserve must be vaccinated by December 2nd. So um, much shorter timeline for them, uh, also much smaller population. The Army hovers right above the Air Force. Sometimes uh, the Air Force has been growing, so it's, it's kind of neck and neck right now. So we might expect something of a shorter timeline and then possibly some exemptions for those who are, uh, you know, way offshore in some nuclear submarine or something like that, uh, if they're not already uh, vaccinated, which they probably are at this point. This policy, has there been any pushback? Have any of the politicians raised objections to it? Or I imagine no one in the chain of command would have. Right. We, we have seen some pushback from this. Uh, there have been some Republican uh, Congress people who have said that, you know, they're trying to change the law and so that it's not required for uh, some service members to get the vaccination. Very unlikely that any of these will pass through. It would really co- create a change in the Uniform Code of Military Justice, considering this is in order. Uh, another thing that has happened is that there have been uh, some lawsuits against the uh, not only the, the Pentagon, but against the Food and Drug Administration and CDC as well. Uh, one of those is coming from an Army soldier and a Marine who say that they don't think they should have to get the shot. They asked for a restraining order to keep from getting the shot at this point. A judge denied that, saying that the FDA has approved this and that millions of Americans have taken the vaccine without any harmful side effects. What we have seen within the military community is that there is some pushback. It does reflect some of what we've seen throughout the nation as a whole, that about one third of people are resisting getting this vaccine. So, uh, you know, this this pushback is is something that, you know, we're seeing throughout the whole nation. So it's not a ton to worry about. And it may change because of this mandate. What we've heard from Blue Star families is a lot of this comes from distrust of how quickly the vaccine was rolled out and distrust of the government in general. Yes, it's just egg whites and gorilla perspiration, and it's not really anything in there that's medicinal. Federal News Network, Scott Mossioni, thanks so much. Thank you. Check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. 
You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, It's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about but that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life, and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me, and I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day, and I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop, and he would focus on me, and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance in some cases and 
without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, w- WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zell. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 
Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.